0: Please join me as I pray. Father, as we gather together today to worship, we all come in with many things on our hearts and our minds. We come in with longings, places where we long for you to meet us. And I would gather, Father, some this morning are here, and maybe the prayer is, Lord, light that fire that once burned bright in me. And so, Father, wherever wherever we are, we know that you are here, You know that you see us and you know us all by name. You long to impart more of the riches of your glory of grace to us today. And so we pray now. Join with me. Pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come move in our midst. Light a renewed fire in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, today we're finishing our journey through the very short epistle of 1 John. And throughout this, throughout this epistle, John has named three marks or three tests, if you will, to know that one could know that they know that they know that they're a follower of Jesus, that there, there's evidence there. And the first mark, I want to name them because John has named them throughout this short epistle many, many, many times. So I want to name them one more time with us today. First is the mark of love. Having been so loved by God and His grace, we love God in return, and in return of that, we also love one another. As I named a number of weeks ago, that our love as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we love one another with a particular love. It's an otherworldly love, if you will, that reflects more more and more of the love of the Father through His Son to us every day. The second mark is faith. It's right belief about Jesus. And as I've said many times here, it matters what we believe about Jesus. It matters that we don't just conjure up some idea on our own or or take something here and here, but that we come and look in the Scriptures and what does it tell us about who Jesus is? Because Jesus is the one who came to set us free. And if we don't have right belief about Him, we're still living in bondage. So it matters that we have faith, right belief about who Jesus is, And then the third mark we named a couple of weeks ago, and that's obedience, that we would have a longing to obey the commands of God, that we wouldn't look at them as drudgery of, oh gosh, I've got to do these so God won't be angry, but instead we'd see them as God's gift to us to live in the safety of this new life that He's given us, that we would come fully alive. And so, friends, as we see those marks in our lives, we can know for certain that we are sons and daughters of God as those, as those marks become more and more visible in our lives. Well, John concludes this short epistle circling back to where he began. And really, the theme verse of 1 John is found in verse 13 of chapter 5. We read this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know that you have eternal life. He mentioned this in chapter 1, that that we would know that we would have eternal life as well. Now, if you read John's gospel, okay, the gospel of John, that is all about that we would believe in Jesus. He lays out the gospel so clearly in in the gospel of John that, that we who read it would believe in him. Well, now in this epistle of 1 John, it's that we who believe in him would know, would know that we know that we know that we are the Lord's that we would live, friends, daily with the assurance that we're His and that nothing can take us away from that. It's that assurance that even in life's ups and downs, and we all have them, don't we? (laughs) Some are in the middle of the downs right now. In those times, we can have assurance that we are children of God and God is is approachable in the glorious fellowship that we have with Him. We need assurance, don't we? We need assurance also because there's a very real enemy, who longs to create doubt in our minds. I don't know if some of you came in with a doubt in your minds this morning. God, do you really love me? <laughs> Am I really yours? Uh, the first service, somebody walked in in the morning and I, and I said, "Hi, how are you?" And they said, "It's been a hard last night. Was a hard night, a hard day, and, and I didn't have a chance to, expl- you know, kind of find out more about that." But at the end of the service, they came up to me, and they said, "This is what I need," and they said. My heart, my night was hard last night because the enemy was causing me to doubt that I'm really a believer in Jesus. I wrestled, she said, I wrestled all night long with that, and I left here today knowing I am his. If any of you have doubt, know that by grace through faith alone, you are his and nothing can take you away. The enemy loves to put all kinds of chatter in our ears, but friends, those are lies. So what I want to do this morning is look at this. I want to look at what eternal life is and how that shapes and reframes how you and I live every day this side of heaven, okay? So we've got to first answer the question what is eternal life? Now, you might be thinking, okay, Robert, that's a given. I I know what that is, but let me explain it and then I'll share something that you might not have connected the dot with, the dots with. So being, being having eternal life is when we're born of God. When, when we come to faith in Christ, we know that we have life forever in the new heavens and the new earth, that we will live in that glorious communion and fellowship with God forever because of the blood of Christ, Him giving His life on the cross. We're brought into the family of God, and we have eternal life. I think for a lot of us, it just stops right there. But that can cause one to think, okay, if that's going to happen sometime in the future when I die, what about now? (laughs) What about life right here, right now? Does it matter how I live? Am I just trying to get there where life will be better? Well, friends, it absolutely matters how we live right here, right now. And this is the second part of eternal life that I think is so important for us to understand. You see, eternal life is not just about life ahead in the future. It's also about experiencing life right here, right now. Theologians like to use the term the already but not yet, right? We live in this tension of the already. The kingdom of God has come among us, but it's not fully consummated yet until Jesus returns. But when I think about eternal life, the kingdom of God coming among us right now, it's that you and I live now in light of what is going to be reality ahead. Do you see that? We live now in light of a truth reality that will one day be a full reality for us. Here's how I like to think about it. We live now with the foretaste of what's to come. So what does that mean for us? It means now we live in this glorious communion with God. There's nothing that can separate us from God's love now. We can approach God with great boldness And we can live with the assurance of his unfailing love. We have the fullness of that now. Now, we're going to fully taste it later, but we get it now. And that's the beauty of this. And so I want to answer the question today, how does having eternal life, living in light of it now, how does that shape and frame how you and I live every day? Now, there are many implications to that. We can't go into, obviously, in in one sermon. But there's two that John names here at the end as he wraps this short epistle up. There's two that he names that I want us to look at. Here's what I want us to see. Because of eternal life, because we get a taste of it now, we can come to God in prayer with great boldness and confidence. The two we're going to look at both have to do with prayer. One is praying for the world, praying for those who do not yet believe. The second one is praying for one another. You'll see how we'll flesh this out in a moment. Let's look at the first one. Through our prayers, we bring the already but not yet nature of the kingdom of God into the present as we make our prayers according to God's will. Now, that's kind of a mouthful, so I'm going to say it again. (laughs) Through prayer, we bring the already but not yet nature of the kingdom of God into the present as we make our prayers according to God's will. Here's what we read in verses 14 and 15. John wrote, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. John says something very important there. He says, If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. God loves it when we bring requests to Him. He loves it when we come to Him in prayer. He loves it when we lay those, those longings before Him. But what makes the difference is am I aligning my will with the Lord's or am I trying to bend God's will to mine? I think a lot of times in our prayers, we can try to bend God's will to ours to get what we want because we think we know what we want is going to be better. But what John is saying here is what we really need to understand. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The call for us, friends, is to submit our wills to his will, is that we yield our desires, all our longings, we yield them to his. And when we do, we can know that he hears us and he answers us. I love how N.T. Wright put it. He wrote this, Those who believe in Jesus, who abide in God, stand at the place where heaven and earth meet. They're encouraged to draw down the blessings of heaven into the life of earth and to know that as they make their requests, they have already been granted. Even though as Scripture itself and Christian experience will teach, they may not be granted in ways that we had expected." I love what he says there. We stand in the place where heaven and earth meet. That's the already but not yet nature of the kingdom of God here today. And he writes there, Encouraged to draw down the blessings of heaven into the life of this earth. Friends, that's what our prayers do when we align them to God's will. Let me give you an example of that or where we see this in Scripture. Just as Jesus was about to go to the cross... That agonizing evening, early morning, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, do you remember his prayer? He prayed these words, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. He knew what the cross meant for him. But then he said these words, but not my will, but your will be done. You see, Jesus lived always aligning his will with the Father's will. And as he aligned his will with the Father's will, we see... um, heaven, the blessings of heaven being drawn down into the earth. And we see that here that when Jesus went to the cross, the blessings of heaven filled this earth. The blessings of God's mercy came down as Jesus yielded up his will to the Father's will that we would know through his death on the cross that there is salvation, that there's new life. You see that picture? So let me ask you this question. What are you asking God for? What are you asking God for? It's good to bring our requests to God, and that's a great thing. He wants us to do that, but I wonder how often you align your prayers with the very clear will of God that we would be disciples making disciples. Here's what I mean by that phrase, disciples making disciples, that we as followers of Jesus would be people who are walking with Jesus, and then we're finding and we're having conversations with others who don't know him, and we invite them to come and see and then to come walk with us along the journey as we follow Jesus together. It's such a clear picture of what we see in Matthew 28, which is known as the Great Great Commission. Hear these words. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then Jesus said, Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Do you see that call? Sometimes we can wonder, God, what is your will for this? Or what is your will for my life? One thing the Scriptures do tell us is the will for God's, our God's will for our lives is that we would be people bringing the good news of Jesus to those who do not yet know it or those who do not see it. Friends, when we align ourselves with that will of God that is very clear in the Scriptures, we find our lives coming into this glorious work of God, this movement of God, in right where we are, of people coming to faith in Christ to see where, where, where their lives were once longing for things to be met over here and still not fulfilled. When they come to see Jesus, there's wholeness there. And when we align ourselves with God's will, we become more kingdom-focused, His kingdom coming among us. This past week, St. Andrews hosted this Next 30 church planning conference. We had 25 people from mostly around the country, but one came in from Spain, another from England, another from Thailand, and another from Africa. Friends, it was a rich time as we gathered together. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, what what were my takeaways from it? I will tell you, I was amazed at story after story after story, seeing the hand of God move in this world. Sometimes we can get so focused on our own little circle right here that we don't have eyes to see the hand of God moving and bringing people to faith, people coming to understand that they are saved by grace, that there's a God who knows them, sees them, and loves them. We get so focused on our own little busy lives that we don't live with the kingdom mindset. And so as I heard story after story, yes, it was a church planting conference, so a lot of talk on churches being planted. But let me tell you one of the exciting things in some of those stories is churches were planted here in America and in different parts of the world. Those people in those congregations had a fire lit under them, a fire to take the gospel, this good news to those who don't know. And I would hear story after story after story of breakthroughs in lives. Lives changing. It started with one family member, and then all of a sudden, the whole family comes to faith in Christ. Friends, that's a kingdom movement, isn't it? That's the power of God at work in our midst, isn't it? And I was thinking about, what about an established church like St. Andrew's? Well, friends, fire can be lit under us as well. We have sought to plant two churches. They didn't come together. A lot of challenges there. It was hard for a lot of folks but God was still at work. I still saw God's hand moves. Lives were still changed. And my takeaway from that was asking the question, so what about us? (laughs) What do we do going forward? Do we say, well, we've tried it twice and it didn't work, so let's just find something else? Or do we align ourselves, continue to with God's will, and say, God, what do you have for us? Let's lean into the challenge. Because when we can learn from the things of the past that didn't come together, friends, there is great strength going forward. So I walked away just at excitement of seeing God is moving in our midst today. It doesn't mean it's only going to be through planting a church. What I want you to see here in this passage is when we align ourselves with God's will and being people who bring the message of the gospel to those around us, Friends, we'll see relationships around us begin to change. Let me ask you a few questions. What would happen if you began to pray daily, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven? What if that became a heart prayer for you? Right out of the Lord's prayer, isn't it? But if we really said, Lord, I want to be praying, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, I want to see more of drawing down the beauty of life in heaven coming into this earth to bring life, renewal, and restoration around us. What would happen if you began to pray for those in your, neighbor, in your neighborhood, began to pray for those family members, those with whom you work, those in your friend group? What if you began to pray for those who are not believers in those groups and you began to pray, God, break in? God, give me an opportunity to speak truth. Give me an opportunity to come alongside them, to meet them where they are. Give me words to say, what do you think would happen if we began to do that? But if you began to pray, God, use me to tell others about your saving grace. Friends, when we align our wills with God's will, when we say, not my will, but your will be done, we will see the kingdom of God come among us and the blessings of heaven Fill this earth, which is what God longs to do as his kingdom comes among us in greater ways where there is renewal, restoration, hope. There's a lot of darkness these days. There are a lot of things that discourage us. There's a lot of brokenness in our world. There's a lot of brokenness in our community. But when we seek to live our lives that God's kingdom would come in greater ways, friends, that will turn a town upside down or right side of if you want to put it that way. But it starts with one person, doesn't it? It starts with one person, then another, then another living in light of this. I believe, and I fully believe this, God is preparing hearts right now to receive, and we have a message to take. I'm reminded of this, this beautiful scene in, in the Gospels where God, where Jesus appoints 72 of his followers to go out into various towns, to to perform miracles, to heal the sick, to talk about the reality that the Messiah has come among us. And here's what we read in Luke 10, verses 1 to 2. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few." Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Why does he say the harvest, the the, the laborers are few? Because few people really take up that call seriously to align their wills with God's, to be a conduit, an instrument of his grace going forward, telling others about the saving work of Jesus. The laborers in this room are not few. Followers of Jesus. What would happen if we really leaned into this reality? What would happen if we took seriously this call, this privilege, friends, that we get to bring this good news of life to those who don't know it? What do you think that would begin to do? The harvest is plentiful out there. It is rich. But Jesus said, the laborers are few. May that not be so among us. May we take up that call to follow and go and live and speak and see the blessings of God come and fill this earth. That's the first thing we're going to see, that we see in this passage, of aligning ourselves to God's will. that He hears us and He moves. That's the first part, praying for others. Second one, it's going to be much shorter. You'll be thrilled. Praying for those who are believers who are caught up in sin. Because of the confidence we have before God, we can pray, we are to pray, and we are to pray for one another when we find ourselves wrestling and and caught in that net of sin. Look at verses 16 to 19. John writes, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. What's happening here? Let me me first name this probably confusing place part where it says there is a sin that leads to death. Some of you might be wondering, okay, what is that, and have I committed it? Well, Here's what I believe John's talking about when he talks about the sin that leads to death. I think he's referring to those who had been exposed to the truth of Christianity, heard it, don't want anything to do with it, maybe taken it, distorted it, and denying and and, and living in just overt, rebellious rejection of the gospel. Do you see that? That's because what happens? Because Jesus came to bring life, if we're not looking to Jesus for life, then what's going to happen? Then there's death. Does that make sense? Do you see that? that? That's the sin that leads to death. It's an overt rege- rebellion, rejection of the truth. Now, if, you might, if you're thinking or if anyone is thinking, gosh, have I committed that? The fact that you've even asked that question says that you have not because someone who wants nothing to do with Jesus is, gonna, is not going to question, have I done that? So, you don't have to worry. But let me tell you what I think he's getting at here. and something that I I want us just to name because I think it's so important. It's the importance of radical intercession for one another. We all know what it's like, don't we? We all sin, right? We're all going to sin. It doesn't give us an excuse, but that's part of the brokenness this side of heaven. But when we do, friends, we need to have friends praying for us. We need people interceding for us. We don't need people looking at what we've done and gossiping about us or, 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 you know, whatever we might want to do, judging one another. What we need to do when we see a brother, a friend, a brother, or sister in sin, we need to get on our knees and intercede for them, praying that God would open their eyes to bring them to repentance, that they would come and and, and, um, be free. I've seen that lately. I've seen God do that. There's been one that I've been on my knees for praying for a while and I'm watching God break in and break through into this person's life and there is a change happening. Friends, let us not downplay the importance of walking with one another on this journey, praying for one another on this journey. It is hard. It is challenging. But we have a privilege to be on our knees praying for one another, especially when we find ourselves caught in that web of sin that we would break free, that God in His grace would would do this work among us. That's a privilege that we have, and I believe a calling that John calls us to here, that we would be on our knees to pray for one another. We become a protective shield for those around us in prayer. While the enemy is fast at work in our midst, he has not won the battle, and he will not. That's the hope that we have. Let me pull all this together. One of the things that John has named, the key thing, is that we would know. That we would know, that we would know, that we would know. And as we know, friends, we have an incredible calling, an incredible charge from the Lord, that as we pray, friends, that we would intercede for this world, that we would intercede for those around us who don't know Jesus, to say, God, how do you want to use me? Step out. Don't worry about having all the right words. Don't worry about trying to have some gospel tract you're going to hand them. Just be in their lives. Just get to know them, come alongside them, befriend them, and let the Holy Spirit give you the words to say, He's the one, friends, who changes lives. We're just the instruments. We get to be the instruments. So pray for those around us, and then pray for one another that we would come and encourage that we as a body would be built up in the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this journey that we've been on. Thank you for leading us through this beautiful book. Thank you for your truth that sets us free, for the assurance that we have. Father, the freedom that comes out of that assurance is amazing. And so we pray that as we live this truth out, that we would be instruments of shalom, of your peace in this world. That as we live, as we pray, we would be calling down the blessings of heaven into this world. That those who are in turmoil would experience the shalom of your saving grace, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen.